Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. We welcome you to the Build Your Success Podcast. Here at the Build Your Success Podcast, we like to build you so you can build others. We do that through our coaching, training, and our speaking events, but we also do that through guests we bring to this program. Leda Hamilton is with us today. Leda is a pocket rocket burst of energy with a big heart and is the founder and CEO of Passion Pioneers and the creator of Leading Successful Change Program. She has worked with some of Australia's biggest companies and tripled her salary in just three years. She moved from marketing world to organizational change management and developed her own style of inspirational change leadership. And we're going to talk about more of that on the podcast as we ask Leda some questions here. Leda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I'm really excited. So you'll, you're, if you're listening to this, you'll, you'll hear the Australian and, the, and the, the Southern American on here. So we got two different accents, and that's what makes the world go round. So... Uh, Leda, we are here today to talk specifically about change management, but I want to ask you the question we ask all of our guests. What does leadership and being a leader mean to Leda Hamilton? Yeah, it's a really, really cool question. And I remember early on, um, I think it was like one of my coaches like would say like leadership is taken, not given. And I just like, it's always stuck in my mind. It's like like concept of like leadership being taken, not given. And I've actually like run workshops around that concept as well, or like kicked off workshops around that concept, because I think it's, it's almost like there's this concept, especially in the workplace, for example, and in career that like, when you get to a particular level, when you get to a particular role, like in management, and you have direct reports and people around you, that that's when you become a leader, that that's when you start to have an impact on people's lives, when you start to be able to um, help them make decisions and help them work through what it is they need to be and where you start to take that accountability and that responsibility. But it's actually like you don't actually need to necessarily be like a line manager in order to be a leader. You don't need to have direct reports in order to be a leader. Leadership is actually something that comes from within but it also comes from the way that you show up and from you standing up and going like I'm going to be a leader in this situation so I love that concept around like leadership being taken not given because you know there's nothing really that's um that's holding you back if you want to step into your leadership and your light you can absolutely do that from right now well Lada, it is amazing that you bring up that you uh you, you know basically you in John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, we are there's permission leaders, and and people get once you get permission to lead others and give yourself permission is what I was hearing you say to lead others. That's that's part of the five levels of leadership. You know, the first level is positional leadership. That's where someone else says you're going to be a leader, and everybody else just has to buy into that. But when people start giving you permission to lead them, you're, you're taking the next step. So thank you for that answer about leadership. So how did you convince these young people to, to, to make a change? I've always been somebody who can adapt very quickly. I've always been somebody who can learn new concepts, new information, and absorb a lot of information to be able to, to, to digest that and then translate that for other people. And so 
what I noticed, I actually started my career in marketing and um, loved marketing. I'd studied media communications at, at um, university or, or school. And so I kind of went into the corporate career in, in this field of marketing because it used all of my transferable skills from media and communications. But then it was more in like the corporate the corporate world um, and doing really kind of like creative work, but then also really results driven work as well. The problem was, was that I just found myself really getting stuck. So I had this real ambition to be a leader. I actually was on a graduate program. So I was like kind of being benched for these leadership positions. And I did these two years of a graduate program going like, cool, I'm going to step out the other end of these two years as a leader. Um, but that was not how my organization saw it at all. Like for them, it was like, yeah, we're putting you on these leadership programs and these leadership courses so that in like five years, you'll be a leader. And I'm like, no, 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 like I'm ready now. So this real kind of like chomping at the bit, really wanting to, again, like it was more about like sort of the leadership probably um, that kind of went hand in hand, that positional leadership that you were talking about that I saw as going hand in hand with like managerial roles or like stepping up in my corporate career, like um, as a promotion sort of thing. And so I found myself just getting very frustrated, getting very stuck. Um, I think when there's that spark of leadership within, when there's that potential, if you feel like you're in an environment where that isn't being nurtured, where that isn't being given the chance to shine, where that isn't being given the opportunities to really show and showcase what you can do, um, then it can be very, very frustrating and, and actually start to, to almost like impact you on like a soul level, like a spiritual level, because like, it's just, it's almost like um, there's no growth, there's no fulfillment there. Um, and that was definitely how I was feeling at the time. So I ended up um, making a big decision. I really loved that company. It was an amazing company and I wanted to be really loyal to them. Like I actually wanted to, to thank them for like the potential that they'd seen in me and the opportunities that they'd given me. Um, but in the end, I was just like, I've actually got to put myself first and I've got to lead my own career. I've got to make decisions about my own career. Um, and so I actually moved companies and um, I stayed in marketing at that time, but I moved companies and I got like a $20,000 pay rise. Before that, I'd only been getting like one to $2,000 pay rises. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. $20,000 pay rise. And, and also starting to be able to do more work that was actually leading the, the marketing team in different processes and different projects and things like that. So I was really like enjoying it. That was just a short, like fixed term contract. And that was when I actually found out about change management. Change management is definitely about people and it's about bringing people on board the journey of change that's happening in a workplace. So I love to define things really, really simply. It's moving people from doing things in one way to doing things in a new way. And we do that through communications, training and business readiness. It's also about empowering people, empowering people with their own ability to accept change, with their own ability to embrace change and to feel informed, confident, inspired and ready for any type of change that might happen in the workplace. So, you know, that can be everything from a process change. So changing the way that we do something to a new system or application or platform, a new team structure or operating model. It could be, you know, the move to remote work, the move back to the office. We've got a lot of regulatory and compliance change at the moment in Australia. Um, so like anything that changes in a workplace, often there's so much energy and focus put on the thing and the people are forgotten. 
Like, and if you want anything in a workplace to be successful that's changing, you have to bring the people on the journey and not just tell them what to do, but really take that coaching perspective and give them the tools, the understanding, the ability and the confidence within themselves to transform the way that they are and the way that they do things in order to be able to do that thing successfully into the future. Lada, you did a great job with that. In fact, you beat me to my next question, which was going to be, you know, we think change management intuitively. Hey, it's change management. We're going to, we're going to manage change. But you really took us in a little deeper dive, took, a, put, took us past that skin surface uh, definition of it and, and what it really means. So let me ask you this as a change management expert, consultant, I know, you know, neurologically, we are human beings are creatures of habit. We like to keep things steady, don't rock the boat. How do you change that mindset when you go into an organization, work with a team to make them realize no changes for the better in this situation? We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict? reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. I think that there's different layers and levels to that. And it really depends on the organization that you're going into, the team that you're going into. Different organizations and different teams have a different cultural awareness of change and like a different level of acceptance of change generally. So sometimes I'll sort of be working with like clients or organizations or teams or projects. And they're, they've maybe they've seen good change before or they have this really, really bright vision of the future. But the where their team is currently at and what they've been doing for like months and years has not been helping people um, be flexible, work in flexible ways, um, you know, have, have a base level acceptance of change. Um, sometimes there's not like uh, communication channels in place, like there's no real communication in, in the team or the business. Sometimes there's not really great leadership skills. Um, for leaders to actually cascade change or to communicate change with their teams and to have have difficult conversations often. Like those are some of the skills that like a, a leader or a people manager, I should say, like somebody who really does have direct reports, they'll often need to have difficult conversations with their people because people get very, like individuals get very wedded to the way that they do things, to their role, to their responsibility, and in some cases change that is happening in organization might impact roles, might impact jobs, might impact livelihoods. So like being able to actually have those those challenging conversations, those difficult conversations, those courageous conversations is a skill set that is often missing. And then just the sheer accountability, taking responsibility for it. So owning the change, but not necessarily like owning, um, like I had one of my clients say this recently, like owning the change, but not necessarily owning the other person's reaction to it. So being able to step up as a leader and go, this is what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're going to support you through it, and not, and not then um, if like reactions of people, because as you mentioned, people are hardwired to not like change. We like things to be the same. We like things to stay stable. We like things to be familiar because then that keeps us in a state of feeling like we're safe, feeling like we're secure, feeling like we're in control. 
knowing where we fit into the bigger picture, what we look like, what, um, what we know we can do, what we know we can promise and what we can commit to. So when change comes knocking on our door, which is inevitable, um, you know, that throws everything up into the air and people's reactions can be really, really diverse. Like I, I like to kind of think of it just as the fight, flight, freeze response. Like some people are going to, you know, potentially like verbally openly um, resist the change. You'll hear them say things like negatively or they'll say things about the change or about the people or about the organization. You'll get some people who just like completely, they just leave. They just, they're like, I don't even want a bar of this. I'm just going to exit the situation. I'm going to exit the team, exit the organization. Um, and then you get other people who just go in. They really don't, you, they, you might think that they're on board because they're nodding and smiling every time you're talking about what's about to happen next. But then actually deep down, they're not on board at all. They're actively resisting it behind the scenes, but you're not seeing it or they've just completely shut off and shut down and that there's no actual communication or trust there at all anymore. So like these are massive concepts. These are really big concepts. And when you've got teams or leaders or managers who aren't even just managing their team's basic workload, who just aren't even like making sure that their team has clear KPIs, has clear deliverables, and then um, is meeting against those. <laughs> Trying to get those leaders and managers to then have these really complex understandings and having these really complex interactions with their teams about change can, can be like going from zero to 100. So I think for teams and organizations, it is about really understanding where where are we currently at in our change maturity, where are we at in terms of our people being able to understand what we like why we need to change and why change is inevitable and to have their own skills and tools of coping with that as an individual um, but then also what are those organizational processes channels rhythms layers where we actually help people through this process and so some of those sometimes instead of i guess like doing a full change management approach for a project or for a client, it might just be, um, you know, we only tackle X, Y, Z, or we just bring in a few of these introductory concepts to start warming up leaders and teams, to start warming up the organization towards change. So we build a foundation in the first change that we're working on in order for there to then be um, an easier ability to lead and deliver change on the next change. And we sort of pave the way for future changes. And what I'm always saying to my students in leading successful change, I'm like, it's fit for purpose. There is no bouncing ball to follow. There is no like tick the box process or methodology in change today. Maybe in the olden days, like that was very easy because projects were much more sequential. They were planned in a much more um, uh, deliberate way and a much more strategic way. And there wasn't as much um, environmental impacts and environmental change that would sort of um, shift those those timelines. So it was easy to sort of manage change um, as a step-by-step -step process, as a tick-the-box activity. But nowadays, like change is so constant, there's so much of it. Things around an organisation or around a project are changing all the time, impacting that project or that organisation's ability to move to the future. So we really need to be flexible and fluid and take a fit for purpose approach and go, what's going to add the most value right now at this time? What's going to be the most value right now? What tools, templates, what techniques can we use like at this point in time to add the most value? 
And you, like I've got sometimes I've got students and they're like, oh, we're like three quarters of the way through the change. Um, you know, go live is in a couple of months. Um, people are really confused still. Like even though we've been doing this already for a year, like we've been working on this project, people are really confused. The project's really confused. Like, can I do a vision setting workshop? And I'm like, yes, you don't have to do a vision setting workshop at the start of the change. You can do that at any point in the change. There's been times when I've set visions with a project just before go live, just before launch. And it's because it's like, that's what's fit for purpose. That's what the team is ready for at that time. And that's what's going to add the most value. So it's definitely not sequential. It's definitely not step by step. It's just a collection. Like the way that I teach change is it's a collection of tools, templates and techniques that you can pick and choose from in the moment. And then what I really focus on is actually building um, change leaders confidence to lead change, confidence to show up as that change leader, confidence to being that light for leaders, projects and teams, and then the confidence to know what to pick when um, in the moment. Lada, you covered a lot of territory in that answer. I got a dozen questions I don't have time for, but I will. Let's boil this down. Uh, One of the things you said, we got a few more minutes here, what was the um, fit for purpose? So yes, for the listeners, right. give us an example of a time where you use fit for purpose to help a team get, get over that threshold. Mm, yeah. So in terms of like fit for purpose, it might be that you, so say, say something is changing. Maybe you're a new leader. Maybe you're a project manager, maybe you're a change manager um, or just anybody, you might even just be like a team member in a project um, or in a team and you're like, oh, this change is coming and like nobody's thought about the people side of it. Nobody at all. Um, And so, so like there's been times where the only thing that I've been able to do is like a business readiness check. A business readiness check is where we start to manage the risks and the readiness and we go, do we have everything that we need in place for this change to be successful now and in the future? And so there have been times where I've worked on change and it's been so late in the piece where like that is literally the only activity that we've got time to do is to just go like, you know, like let's check against what we should have, what we should be able to do or what we said we were going to do. And so like that's that's an example where it's like, you haven't got a change plan, you haven't got communications, you haven't you haven't necessarily been there for that whole change journey or you haven't necessarily done everything that you could do, but the actual process of the business readiness check helps to flush out anything further that should happen before launch. And that's where like sometimes it's about the conversations, it's not the template, it's not the tool that's adding the value, it's the conversation that you're having around it. And often it's actually just about shifting people's mindset from going, we're just going to get like the structure ready or we're just going to get the technology ready and then people will just have to take it and they'll just have to learn it and they'll just have to accept it. Instead, it's actually about asking the question, well, like, you know, does everybody have logins for the system in order for them to be able to use it when we go live on day one? Um, You know, like, like when they're experiencing an issue, is there a really clear path for them to get support to get the issue resolved? Like there was one case where um, the change that I was working on were outdoor workers and we were giving them new tablets, so new um, devices, and they were touch screens. And so it was like, 
oh, what happens when you're working outside? You've got chemicals, you've got dirt, you've got water. And so your touch screen doesn't work, right? So like in that instance, it was like, well, why don't we put wipes, you know, like wet wipes in all of the trucks? But then part of the business readiness of that was who's going to replace those wet wipes on an ongoing basis? Because for this to be successful both now and in the future, you can't just give out a pack, one packet at the start of the change. In the future, somebody has to be responsible for um, replacing those packets in each of the trucks. So it's those sorts of things where sometimes just taking a project or a team or a, or a leadership team through one practice or one tool or one exercise or activity and change can have all of this value um, and you don't you didn't necessarily need to go through an entire change management journey or an entire change management process um, because you can absolutely pick the tool that you think is going to add the most value in and at the time and I always say like if there was one tool you're going to do like do the business readiness check because it often flushes out all of the other things that you could have done and there might still be time or there might still be um it can also create the commitment to want to do those, some of those other activities wow Lada, i hear so many project management things coming you just iterate this stuff it's coming it's bubbling forth out of you and i hear you talking about when we create a change making sure that change is sustainable that we, you know, one change leads to another new requirement. And so that's amazing. So I've actually got a free underpaid and overlooked coaching action guide. Um, and you can grab that from my website. So it's got my five-step career change formula um, to getting a pay rise or a promotion or career change. So when I made the move to change management, I actually tripled my salary, as you mentioned, to earning almost $200,000. It was just such a massive um, shift in my life. And I really just recommend that for everybody that they actually really look at where they are going to step up in their own career their own their own leadership in their life um so yeah go and grab the underpaid and overlooked coaching action book guide because it also is really about earning your worth and building your confidence and through those channels that is really where you can start to build that confidence to lead change do it in a way that's authentic to you and do it in a way that's on your terms so you can grab that from my website. It's at latahamilton.com slash worth it. And of course, you can come follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Lata. And, and that's actually where we connected on LinkedIn. It's been great to have you as a connection and, and, and being introduced to you. And then also, thank you for offering that to our listeners. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Go to her website. You get that information. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Do me a favor, go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, leave us an honest rating and review and share this podcast with others. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.